Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, and welcome back, folks. Uh, great set of commercials there, Aideen. Any certain uh, little helper pills? Uh... Pique your interest? Yeah, good to have you back in the booth, Chuck. I uh, told you that in confidence. All right, and back to the action here. An exciting day for sports as the man who some are calling unfit to be here will take the ice tonight. Rookie Kyle Moore's going to hit the pond here momentarily. Highly touted prospect coming out of the beautiful town of St. Stephen, New Brunswick. Not a big deal. Yeah, funny thing about St. Stephen, New Brunswick. Actually, Canada's chocolate town, known for a uh, cinnamon chocolate candy called the Chicken Oh, oh my God. It's a Kyle Moore yard sale on the ice. Way to get your clock clean, kid. Yeah, that's the kind of hit that'll force you to start a mental health podcast. Good night, Jim Kite. Keep your head up. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the podcast. Episode 3 of Season 3, the big 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, we're hitting middle age here on on life's a wreck, dude. Just stop. No, I find me funny. That's that's all that that's all that counts. Man, these working conditions are brutal. Um, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for rating and reviewing the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Um, and I really like what I did last week with the podcast. Uh, and if you send me a screenshot of you rating and reviewing the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, I, I give back out of the generosity of my big big heart. I give back to you. And last week, uh, anybody who sent a, uh, a screenshot of themselves rating and reviewing the podcast to the Life's Rec Instagram account at Life's Rec Podcast, I sent a picture of my wonderful little French bulldog, Boomer. Uh, and this week, um, Ooh, you know, I, don't know I, I think we should keep the, the trend going. If French you guys bulldog. take a screenshot dog of you rating Ooh. and reviewing the podcast across any podcasting platform, takes 30 seconds you type in life's a wreck blah, blah, blah. You, you see this this awful podcast pop up and you say yeah, you know so what there we can a little charity you toss a little rating in there we can be whatever you want you know one star what this stars, podcast deserves three yes. stars four stars or um five stars um and uh you send that screenshot to the podcast instagram account and uh, i'll send you uh i'll send you my favorite dad joke uh and, no. and honestly i might even send one or two no so uh so yeah a little really? uh, little incentive there oh dude stop man that's man, that's it's sad fun. It's like it's like interaction. Yeah, but it's like it's is it listeners. positive interaction? I mean, a dad joke. Really? Oh man, this is this is going downhill. It's early in season three, and this is this is. Tanking. I really should retire you. I, re- I should retire this. Bit. Retire the best part of this podcast. Like, okay. Right, well, anyway, guys, I. You know, the funny part of this podcast is how much it stinks. God, you suck. Um. Anyway, guys, I'm I'm stoked for this week's episode because this week's guest is absolutely incredible she's a toronto-based sports psychology and performance consultant cognitive behavioral psychotherapist and certified sports vision trainer she's become the first female mental performance coach for the arizona coyotes in the nhl as well as the ohl for the peterborough Peets. 
More recently, she has signed on as the mental performance coach for both the men's and women's Chinese national hockey teams for the 2022 Beijing Olympics. She's been in practice for over 20 years and has become world-renowned for her work with athletes, teams, uh, individuals, and, and organizations ranging from amateur to NCAA to Olympic to professional. She is the founder of Heads Up Performance and sits on the expert panel for sports psychology for the Coaches Association of Ontario. More than that, she is a published author, an ambassador for Lululemon, uh, and a powerful keynote speaker. There is literally nothing that this incredible woman doesn't do. Uh, and so without further ado... It's going to be a nice change of pace having a, a notable expert on this week. Yeah, honestly, I that I could not agree with you more. So without further ado, guys, Brantley Shapiro, welcome to the podcast. Ooh. How are you? I'm doing good, actually. Um, I think, you know, I will always say that um, a crisis, it moves us. And, mm. um, you know, the world is seeing a lot of them right now. And for me, the opportunity is actually in the middle of the crisis. So I will admit okay. that, you know, initially, um, I certainly too had a lot of anxiety and, mm. you know, all this stuff and what's going to happen. But as we move through it and, um, you know, I think really just that belief that you choose faith over fear um, mm. and the opportunities start to open up in the middle. So I think I'm in a much better place now as I allow myself, you know, to transition through the crisis and learn more about it and get more information and then allow myself to pivot and, you know, figure out what direction I'm going in. So I'm mm. in a good place now. That's great. I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. to hear it's a, uh, it is a, it's a trying time for everybody for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure from everybody from athletes to just your your everyday kind of, you know, person mm -hmm. is, is really kind of going through the the paces of it right now. Everything, mm -hmm. uh, this no, the no normal kind of kind of idea, right. having, to, having to stray from the norm. Um, yeah. But I mean, especially during a time right now and something that I wanted to get into later, but I think would kind of uh, fit what you were just saying is, um, is fear has definitely been a, a large part of your work and overcoming fear in your, in, you know, teaching people to overcome fear in their lives. Um, what about fear makes it kind of so hard to, to address and really deal with? Um, well, I mean, interestingly enough, I think um, we're all wired that way. So the brain is naturally wired to, and we don't like fear, right? We don't, we don't like that stuff. So we are naturally wired to protect ourselves from fear. And the truth is, you know, when you do hard things, or you experience something difficult, there is fear associated with it. And fear is a normal human emotion. Um, and so I think that is, there's, it's sort of counterintuitive, right? We need to lean into fear in order to progress and move forward, yet we're naturally wired to avoid it and to protect ourselves from it. So I think that's the difficulty um, yeah. that people experience. Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, I guess what, you know, the fact that we do have to lean into it, as you said, mm -hmm. what do you think, you know, why do you think that that barrier, barrier exists so, so prominently? I mean, if, if people kind of have the equation, you lean into fear, you yeah. handle it, and then you move by it. Why is taking yeah. that first step so tough? It's uncomfortable, yeah. right? Like it's, it puts us out of our comfort zone. And naturally we like comfort. We want to go back to what's comfortable, what feels good. Um, you know, it's a safe place to be. So um, in order to face those fears, it really knocks you right out of comfort zone. And I think people just, you know, something I say all the time to my athletes is get used to, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and once you can do that, it's, it's sort of the anticipation of that discomfort and the fear of what's going to happen that really stops people. And we tend to resist it, right? So we, right. we like to just go back to comfort zone. Um, but if you can make that push out and learn how to tolerate the discomfort, that's truly where the growth and the opportunity lies. So we need to learn how to sort of, you know, push those barriers and really, I think, get out of our comfort zone. For sure. I mean, speaking of comfort zones, you kind of do a, a little bit of everything, it seems. Uh, mm -hmm. Keynote speaker, author, um, if, if I'm correct, a Lululemon ambassador. Mm -hmm. um, the, the list goes on and on. The, uh, the mental yeah. performance consultant for the Coyotes and then the Peets. Um, where, where is your comfort zone? I mean, do you, do you have any extra time for yourself? Like, how do you find balance in your life with everything going on? <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, that for me is a work in progress, you know, yeah. and it's something that I have to really consciously work on. Um, every single thing that I struggle with, there's, there's so much going on in my life. And, you know, I, I preach self-care all the time. I think it's important. I think recovery is important. You need to refuel um, in order to be effective, but that's definitely one of my weaker points and yeah. something that I have to be conscious of. Um, and I have to work it. Like I really, really do. Um, is definitely not one of my strengths. So for me, it's about just recognizing when I'm feeling like I'm burnt out. Um, if you can see today, I'm up north here at my cottage and, awesome. you know, and I just came up for the day and I'm still working, but it's, it was an attempt for me to just, you know, be in nature a little bit mm -hmm. and in a more peaceful environment just so that I could catch my breath. And so mm -hmm. I really, um, I work to be cognizant of it and just find those moments and they're not many of them, but I do try and carve out those moments where I can take advantage and just, you know, recoup and, and catch my breath. Love that. Do you, is there anything that you do kind of like when you are on the road or you're on the go where you can kind of find that, that sense of, of peacefulness when you can't get away or go to the cottage or anything like that? You know, the funny thing is when I'm on the road, Kyle, it's a lot more peaceful for me, actually. Oh, really? It really is because when, I, when I'm on the road, um, you know, it's, it, at, travel after a while gets tiring, but when I'm on the road, it's like, I'm just doing what I do, right? right like I'm just right. focused actually on one thing at one time. So um, it's, it's kind of easier for me. And when I'm home, I'm trying to balance so many things, right? I'm balancing right. Um, my work with the coyotes. Mm -hmm. I'm balancing my own practice, all my athletes, um, my business, my family, my children. <laughs> so there's so much going on that when yeah. I'm away, it's kind of everybody fends for themselves and I actually right, right. care <laughs> yeah. myself. So um, definitely, you know, hotel life, it's, it's calming for me and just sitting mm -hmm. and having a quiet meal and, right. um, yeah, those are good times. I'm but sure but those, at the same those... time, I'll just say on the flip side, it's actually been nice to be, to be home too with this coronavirus and actually mm -hmm. take a break from, from the, the hustle and bustle of travel. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I trust me. I, I completely understand coming back to uh, I, I'm from New Brunswick. And so coming mm -hmm. back here uh, has been just like this, the biggest breath of fresh air being able to uh, to come home. Everything's just so much more low key here. Yeah. Um, and uh, to be out in nature, nature, you know, I grew up around it. It's something that's super important to yeah. me it's, uh, where I feel most comfortable. And so uh, to get out of the uh, the concrete jungle for a while uh, yeah, we was need definitely that. a bit of a blessing yeah. in disguise. Yeah, yeah, we really do. There, you know, interesting. We, I mean, we both touched a little bit on nature, and um, you know, people know that they feel good in nature. But mm. interestingly enough, it actually stimulates something in the brain, and it's really? just by nature it tends to be very therapeutic. So mm. it's actually altering 
um, the composition of your brain. And that's why we tend to feel so good in nature. Interesting. How so? I'm curious about that because obviously, you know, it's something that I definitely resonate with. Uh, what, I guess, what actually is, is going on? It just changes the chemical balance. I, I look at the brain like a chemistry set almost. Okay. Okay. So if you think about it like that, and it's, we're just always mixing different chemicals and the brain is releasing different chemicals and there are mm-hmm. feel good chemicals and there are stress chemicals and hormones. So mm-hmm. um, nature just stimulates that feel good um, chemical in us. So that's awesome. Well, there we go. For anybody listening right now, you got to, uh, you got to make sure to get out in nature a little bit more. For Absolutely. Sure. Um, what's, uh, you know, with your work, how has your work changed right now? Um, you know, with sports being so all over the place, um, how does your work look right now and how is it different from six months ago Uh, it's completely different Um, I I mean everything yeah everything has gone virtual Mm -hmm. but you know it's funny because I I had talked a long time about trying to do more online programming and things like that and I talked and I talked and I talked about it and that's why I say like a crisis really it squeezes us but it it Mm -hmm. moves us it it Mm -hmm. forces us to move and so it really kind of gave me that push that I needed to just get online and do, you know, basically everything online. So um, right now we're doing um, draft meetings, very busy with the draft, even though, to be honest, we should have just been finishing the draft right now. So, you know, a lot of unknowns with that too. When's it going to happen and how are things going to play out? But we're really working to move forward um, and to continue our work. And so this has been a very, very busy week of scouting meetings all day, every day. And we joined together, you know, just like this via Zoom online. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're continuing to push forward and, uh, and we will be ready that, you know, any moment the draft happens. So that's great. Um, that's what I'm doing with the Coyotes right now. In terms of my practice and the athletes that I work with, you know, everything has gone virtual. So that's not so different for me because I do work with athletes from all over the world. But just mm-hmm. anybody that was local is online now. And um, exciting that this past week I just opened up my office so started to bring in you know back I just have that that personal physical connection um so I just brought a few athletes back into the office this week which has just been so nice to you know to have that personal touch absolutely for sure especially when you're working with something like you know mental coaching and and, you know mental health and you know Mm -hmm. different uh, anything that has to do with with the mental side of life I always feel is very personal it's very kind of like it's such an intimate connection because you're directly helping somebody with what's going on in their own head yeah yeah Yeah. and I think that's probably why I initially resisted right all the Mm -hmm. virtual stuff because you know you need that human connection and it's such a big part of of what I do and building relationships Mm -hmm. and so that that human touch is so key. Right. Um, but, you know, like I say, we've learned everybody, I think, to be a lot more creative um, and figure out ways to make it work. So For sure. For sure. Yeah. You, you were talking a little bit about the draft there. I'm curious, you know, I, I think so often, you know, you, we see the combine and that kind of stuff and we see these guys, they go in, they do the bench presses and the pull-ups and that kind of stuff. What do you look for mentally from these athletes that you're scouting? That's a good question. So, I mean, I actually follow them all year um, leading up to the combine and then, of course, the draft. Um, I guess I'm looking for who is this the person behind mm-hmm. all the equipment? Um, you know, what makes you tick? What do you value? How do you learn? Um, what's your opinions on growth and development? Mm-hmm. Um, the draft is a hard thing. You are mm-hmm. trying to predict the future, right? Who is right. literally yeah. be successful down the road? And, right. you know, I will say that the road to the NHL, like it's 
hard. Yeah, I, I can't think people imagine. know that. <laughs> yeah, they know it, they hear it, but I don't think people really realize like how hard it is to get mm-hmm. there. Um, and so what we're trying to do is predict the future, which is impossible to do. Right. Um, and from my perspective, I really am a firm believer that talent is highly overrated. Mm. Um, you know, I think everybody's traditionally been looking for the talent, you know, right. and picking the best talent, but character and mindset for me are so crucial in terms of um, long-term success. Mm. Talent is nice to have, don't get me wrong. Yeah, and sure. um you know, it's great if you have it, but at some point that talent runs out. Like when you're pushing new levels and trying to achieve something great, you know, everybody's good. Like when you get to this point, everybody can play the game. Right. And I often find the one thing that separates those from really being good to great is, you know, it's up here, it's between the ears and it's what you're made of. So that's That's what I'm looking for. I really, I love that because I mean, I think that we, I mean, me personally, I'm a, I'm a massive football fan. I love football. It's kind of like my, my main sport. And I always, every year I follow the, the kids who are going from college to the NFL. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's funny because I, I've heard that, that saying a few times of every, at this point, everybody's good. Like, you know what I mean? If you're going to the, to the professional leagues, like you're, you're talented, you've, you've gotten there. So it's about finding those kind of intangibles, which, uh, I can't imagine, like, I can imagine gives you quite the edge down the road because, you know, I I don't feel like this is kind of being necessarily talked about enough. Do you feel like this is being addressed enough kind of within professional sports? It's coming. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's more and more um, professional sports is embracing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I actually think hockey is is maybe a little bit behind some of the other sports right now, but, you know, they definitely are embracing it. It is happening Mm-hmm. Um, teams are looking at it and really it's starting to be a big part of the process. So I think you'll just continue to see it growing more and more um, mm-hmm. within the professional sport world. Yeah. Uh, I, I certainly hope so because I, I think that it's so funny how for so long we've glossed over the mental side of sports yeah. and, and really focus so, so entirely on the, on the physical, these physical feats. But as you yeah. said, who's the person behind the, the equipment and that kind of stuff, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, it's exciting for me to be a, a part of the Coyotes as well. There's um, you know, a lot of growth happening there, and so mm-hmm. they're really trying to be innovative, and I think mm-hmm. just embracing you know, what I do and, and making it such a crucial part of our process and really this collaborative approach where we're really trying to fit a lot of pieces of the puzzle together to look mm-hmm. at that full picture of a player, you know, just not who they are on the ice, but just all the pieces of, of what makes them tick. And, and so we'll see down the road, um, you know, how, how that turns out and, and how we're drafting, but we're really, really working to draft um, the best way possible and, and uh, in hopes for a good future. That's very cool. I, very interesting for sure. What, what kind yeah. of made you want to get into all this? Like, where did this all, all kind of come from? Because it's, it seems like, you know, you've really dove into some really interesting areas. And I'm curious kind of how this all came to be. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, as I look back at my story now, I, I will say, like, a lot of times I had no idea where I was going and, right. and how I was going to get there. And, you know, I really am a, I'm a big preacher that success is a very messy road, mm. um, where a lot of people think it's, you know, this steady climb. And if you work hard and do the right things, which are right. all key components to it, um, but you'll keep progressing and it just doesn't look like that at all. So it's just a little bit all over the place. But when I reflect back and look at my story, 
I really do pinpoint um, a time when I was in grade one, actually. Wow. And, yeah. When I was younger, I loved sports. So I, I had a lot of passion for sport and, and hockey was my game. Football is mm -hmm. yours and I loved hockey. Mm -hmm. But I really didn't have the opportunity to play um, when I was young. And there were no girls teams um, that existed and no opportunities for me. But I was an avid hockey fan. My room was wall-to-wall -wall hockey pictures. Nice. And I just, I just loved the game. And I remember being in grade one. It's actually my first memory. And, you know, first day of school and the teacher went around the room and asked a big question to everybody. Well, of course, of course. What are you going to be when you grow up? And, you know, I remember I was super excited to jump up and I was waiting for my turn and I, I was excited to give my answer. Mm -hmm. And it came around to me and I jumped up and I said, you know, I wanted to be in the NHL. Mm -hmm. And the whole room laughed at me mm -hmm. and I remember this excitement just kind of deflated and I had oh, this embarrassing yeah. moment you know everybody's like you can't be in the NHL you're a girl and I, I do I didn't really know it at the time but I kind of remember thinking like like what what do you mean like I, why can you tell me what I can or cannot yeah. do and I don't know I think it was just for me it's just always about pushing boundaries like mm -hmm. I just I never really let anybody define what I could do mm -hmm. and you know I went through life and I ended up playing soccer because I didn't have the opportunity to play hockey. So I played soccer at a high level. Um, my claim to fame was going to the Canadian nationals when I was 16. Um, wow. But that, you know, so that was my, my personal sport experience. I was also a dancer um, and I, I had done my psychology degree and then I actually moved into a dance degree and studied a lot of movement therapy. So, you know, again, a lot of different things that I did before I ended up going back to graduate school. Um, and actually, when I started out, I, I really, my background is in cognitive behavioral psychotherapy. So I actually started in traditional counseling practice. Okay. Um, and as time went on, and to be honest, my own kids got involved in sport. And I just, I started to see so many things, like through their experiences. Um, you know, I had one, one son that played single A hockey, one son that played triple A hockey, but I start to see so many needs from, from the, the kids, the players, the athletes, the coaches, the parents, like there's so much stuff going on. And it really made me think about, um, you know, how do I support my own children to be great and to thrive in the world of sport, which is supposed to be wonderful? Um, how do I help myself be great? How do I help other people be great? And I kind of blended those two worlds together. So my passion for sport with what I did and then I studied a lot more and did a lot more research and ended up, you know, putting together this program. And I will say, Kyle, like I'll circle back to what we started with, which was that fear piece. Mm -hmm. um, I remember they were opening up a brand new arena and I kind of knew like, you know, if, if this was going to be a great place to be, if I was ever right. going to do it, but it was really pushing myself out of my comfort zone. I had a nice job, a nice office, you know, mm -hmm. stable practice. Yeah. And it was like, okay, you know, am I going to do this? And I just, I just decided to go for it. And I literally left my traditional practice. I opened an office up in a hockey rig, wow. you know, and I kind of sat there in the beginning and looking around thinking, oh my God, what did I just do? Uh -huh. um, you know, but like I said, it's faith over fear. And just really, um, I think the key for me is following a passion mm. and believing in myself that I could figure it out. And that's, that's incredible. what got me to where I am today. What a story. It, it, yeah. Have you ever slept or are you just continuing? <laughs> or you just go, go, go from yes, there? Yes, it's really overrated one. for me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, no, I try to sleep. I do try. 
Um, but you know what, when you do something that you love also, like it doesn't feel like work for me. Like I love what I do genuinely and it, it energizes me. So I like making an impact, um, you know, and, and I really feel that I have the opportunity to do that, to impact the people that I work with. And, you know, when you see the difference that it makes, it's just, I, it's, it's an adrenaline rush, really. It's, it's exciting. That's fantastic. How, how do you think more people can kind of start to address like those areas in their life that energize them? I know so many people get caught up in the security, yeah. as you said, in their comfort zone of working the nine to five job that maybe they just took because, you know, they just needed to, to pay the bills. Yeah. You know, how do you think people can kind of slowly try to find that passion in their own lives? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to find what you are passionate about. And, and often we lose sight of that, right? Like you say, we just get caught up in this treadmill of life. And, um, but just really starting to reflect a little bit, like what lights you up? You know, what, what is it that makes you excited that you kind of forget that you haven't eaten or, you know, that just what feels so good for you. And, and I think just starting first and foremost to identify your passions and, and what that might look like for you. So that's just a lot of self-reflection, I think. Um, and then after that piece is the fear component. And it's really being able to break through the fear. And, and I'm not saying it's the absence of fear, like I said, because fear is normal human emotion, but it's recognizing that you can be afraid and you can do it anyways. Right. And then I move into that, just trust yourself to figure it out. Like really, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about the brain, but our brains have the ability to change and to grow. And you will get better at anything if you work at it. So mm -hmm. if you allow yourself to do that, like you allow yourself to move into those uncomfortable places. And, and I tell people all the time, you know, I know people can look at me today and say, wow, like, look what you did. But mm -hmm. I mean, there were so many moments I had no idea what I was doing. Like I literally didn't know. Um, but I really do trust myself to figure it out, like find the right people, um, find a mentor. Like I'm a big believer in that look at somebody that is doing what you want to do right and you know try and approach them and learn from them and add value to them so that you have the opportunity to be in that space and see what it really mm -hmm. takes and you will learn like you just you just have to put yourselves in the right learning environments to figure it out and you know i believe people are capable of doing so much more than they think they can it's really it's this that stops them first so right. yeah, yeah. I definitely, I, I can 100%, you know, see that, especially in, uh, in university, you know, I, I think so many people kind of that, that one of those, uh, those famous quotes, uh, I think it was from the movie Coach Carter. And it's like that it's our, our light, not our darkness that, uh, that That's most right. scares us. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so many people shy away from, from doing what they want, shy away from uh, what they, yeah. what they can be and stuff. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's a, uh, I mean, where do you think that that kind of has, like, why do you think that that's kind of the idea? Where do you think that that's come from? You know, we all have this fear of failure, right? And, yeah. and I'll say it comes from thousands of years ago. Like our brain is wired for survival. Mm. Um, and that's so, I think that we misinterpret fear mm. as sort of a danger signal, right? right? Like we're wired that way to protect us from dangerous situations. But you know, the problem is that the body doesn't know the difference between real fear and perceived danger, like right. re sorry, real danger or perceived danger. Mm -hmm. So it's going to act the same way. Our initial gut reaction is just to protect ourselves and stay back in our comfort zone. But if we can recognize that and sort of be able to talk ourselves through that, like, 
you know what? I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm safe. There's nothing really terrible that's going to happen to me. Um, we really, I really believe we're capable of figuring so many things out. Like if, if I had told you a year ago, Kyle, this is what the world would look like today. Right. And I said, you know, how would you survive that? Like, I think people would say, there's no way, like I can't do it, that we can't do that. Yeah. And yet we're all in it Mm -hmm. and we're all figuring it out. So Mm -hmm. we're capable of doing that, but, um, we perceive danger, right? When we step out of that comfort zone and fear of failure, fear of judgment, fear of not getting to where you want to be, fear of what's going to happen um, are all the things that hold us back. But I'd say take the crisis today. And, you know, I think everybody has survived it. So it really shows you that we're capable. We are so much stronger inside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's take some of this. I think don't waste a good crisis, right? Like <laughs> really allow this crisis yeah. to see what, what we've been through and, you know, what we're capable of actually doing and, and just use that to fuel some of your confidence to know that, you know, you'll get through and, and you'll figure it out if you're willing to, to do it. Mm-hmm. And something, in uh, something like sports, you know, just kind of when you were talking about that, that perceived danger versus actual danger mm-hmm. um, in sports, when, you know, these, these, athletes are at the the top levels and they're playing a sport like hockey which is a physical contact sport there is actual danger all around you how do you work with athletes to to get over that that fear and kind of slow the game down like what's your process with them yeah so listen there there is some reality to that but the reality is you know you could step outside of your house in the winter and slip on the ice and True. you know break your legs. So it's always about, I I do a few things. Uh, One is going to say like just challenging the thinking around that. Mm -hmm. Um, Firstly at a high level, you know, I think they've conquered a lot of those fears as well. Sometimes when they have an injury, just the return from injury is, is anxiety provoking. Um, But you can look at, you know, in somebody's career, how many injuries have they had? Like how many times have they stepped on the ice and how many times have they actually been injured right right so the ratio right think about it like they're on the ice hundreds and thousands and thousands of times and so now you might be coming to me because you've had one injury but Mm. I could say to you I mean I don't know if you've played sports have you ever broken a bone before uh not playing sports but uh Ah, I fractured my nose there that that was uh Yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna, I don't know. I'm not going to ask how you did it, but it was, um, it was a, I tried to do a backflip and I need myself in the face. That is an actual, how I fractured my nose. Yeah. Okay. Good story. Yeah. yeah. No, but, I, I promise I was an okay athlete, but that was not a, uh, a great physical feat. It was, on my part. It was not one of your most not, stellar not one of moments. My proudest moments for sure. <laughs> okay. But you see what I'm saying? Like you got a broken nose and like you, it wasn't playing sport. Right. So we can all get hurt. We all get injured. And, you know, often it's not even in sport. So I think the ratio of, um, of the amount of times that, that you do what you do and the amount of times that you get injured is going to be the same as, you know, what we do in day-to-day life. So I just challenge a lot of the thinking around that because we tend to, when we're fearful of it, we kind of highlight that risk. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd like to just look at the reality of it and the risk tends to be a lot lower. than we actually think it is. So that's one perspective is being able to challenge the, the mindset and the thinking around it. And then there's other cool things that I, I do too, um, to add one more thing to what I do. And I don't know if you're, you're aware of this, but I run um, 
one of the largest sports vision training centers in Canada. Mm -hmm. And so that's some really unique training too that is very different. And it's really about training the relationship between the eyes, the brain, and the body to enhance performance. So it's called the Mind Gym. And it's circuit training, literally like a gym to work out your eyes and your brain. So we train the muscles of the eyes to span peripheral awareness so that you can actually see more of the playing field or the ice surface. So if you're focused in one area, but now we've trained the muscles that you can see more instead of turning your head, you can pick up what's going on. Right. And, you know, sport is very visual, right? So Absolutely. all how we process the game comes in through our eyes. Mm-hmm. So if you can draw that information into the brain at a quicker rate, you can see more then we actually train the brain to process the information quicker so that the body can output a quicker, faster, more effective response. Mm. We call it the one second advantage, right? Nice. Be more, think quicker and react a split second faster. Um, That also has a significant impact on reducing the potential of injury. So um, you're a football guy. I'll give you an interesting football study. There was um, a very cool study done with the University of Cincinnati football team. And they looked at their concussion rates prior to doing this type of training. Mm -hmm. And then they did vision training. They reduced their concussion rate by 80%. Wow. Because what was once a blindsided hit was no longer blindsided, right? They could see it coming and they could react and respond quicker. And interestingly enough, that was for four consecutive years. Like they looked at four years. It wasn't just one season. Um, yeah. So, so that's another interesting way of actually, you know, something that we can physically do and train to reduce the risk and, and actually help prevent injury. So that's incredible. I I mean, the idea that it's, uh, that you're preventing essentially brain injuries by using your brain. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I like that. (laughs) I'm going to use that. Yeah. I I mean, like that's just, uh, it's just so interesting to me because I, I think that, sports are a game of of seconds milliseconds kind of thing yes. so to even just have that slight edge would be pretty astronomical especially at a professional level yeah yeah, sure. yeah. it's find- it's happening in professional sports it's kind of you know the best kept secret right now because yeah. you know everybody's looking for an edge in performance right yeah and that's kind of the thing. So, so lots of teams are doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Guys are doing it individually. Just you know, it's not not talked about. That right, often. right, for sure. Yeah, kept on the down low. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. I do you find that it's like uh, with the older athletes because I know that you you obviously work with uh, you know seasoned professionals as well as uh, amateur you know athletes. Yeah. Um, do you find that people who have kind of progress in their careers maybe a little bit farther they have a tougher time adapting this kind of stuff because it's kind of like they've done the same thing for so many years and then maybe these younger kids they're they're like oh this is I'm going to start from ground zero and I'll adapt this now and it'll be my entire career yeah you know do you find that it's tougher with the professionals yeah it's a yes it's and it's a great question too um I remember the first time I was asked to do a workshop for uh, I think they were probably six six to to eight year olds and I'm like This is way too young. Right. And you know what? It, it changed me for sure because the kids are like sponges. Like mm. the earlier you get them, the more adaptable their mindset is. And it really, really does make a difference because they change their perspective from such a young age and um, they're really able to embrace the stuff and, and live it a lot easier. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Um, yeah, it is harder if you're getting them as um, already a seasoned professional. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's changing too. Like, you know, I think the veterans right now, guys that are at the end of their careers or kind of even in their 30s are... Uh, I'm not going to say resistant, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're a bit more set in their ways. Of course, for sure. But the younger guys coming in now, like, it's it's actually starting to be around more and more. Um, something that I find very interesting in my draft process right now is many, many of the prospects coming up, they all have mental performance coaches with their teams. So oh, I'm pretty fascinated by oh, that. Yeah. yeah. And in Europe, in Canada, like... Um, it's really, I'm just seeing it so much more. So I think we're creating a different generation now as well. And I think they will move into professional sport already having been exposed to it. So yeah, good question. Yeah. I, well, I mean, that's the thing is that I'm excited to see this kind of like essentially this next generation of athlete Mm. that has had this, this mental training all the way up through. I'm curious how it is going to change sports because, you know, even that one second change, if everybody kind of has all of a sudden that one second change, Next thing you know, it's going to be, uh, you right. know, you're, the game's faster. Everything's, yeah. everything's a lot uh, quicker, I guess. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see how sports are going to change for sure, especially yeah. being a big sports fan. Uh, it's yeah. always nice to see when games adapt and, and uh, get better. So Yeah, and Very. it's changed so much already. I mean, if oh, you absolutely. look at the pace of the games now, like, you know, it's pretty incredible what those guys can do. You know, I'm, I'm amazed. So, yeah. I know over uh, over quarantine, uh, Sportsnet and, and TSN have been playing some old some of the old games yeah. on TV, and I've been watching them with my dad. And, and once too. in a while, I'm like, are they? We're still they're still in play. Okay, sounds good. Kind of watching. It's amazing, hey, to yeah. see the difference. I've watched it too. Yeah, it's fascinating when you can compare um, mm-hmm. the difference. You, you you hear it that the, I mean the game's gotten so much quicker, but to really see the difference it's pretty mm-hmm. astronomical yeah. well, absolutely you yeah. know you you see somebody back in the day who who could skate really fast and that was all they needed because they you know they, everyone else just didn't have the athleticism yeah. but then everyone he had the athleticism and, and now you see guys like Connor mcdavid and and these yeah. you know athletes who seem to have eyes in the back of their heads and you know everything just almost as slow motion to them but crazy yeah. sped up for everybody else so yeah yeah it's, uh yeah it, it's it's very interesting i am curious you know you did touch a little bit about uh injuries and that kind of stuff and coming back from injuries um and i just mentioned Connor mcdavid and something else i've watched over this break was the the Connor mcdavid story of him coming back mm-hmm. from his injury and you know that that kind of fear and that necessarily kind of like am i going to be the same player as my career over when you're working with athletes who have kind of went through this tough these tough experiences like what what kind of stuff do you you talk with them about and what do you work with them on um i really take a an interesting approach i think i i really equate injury in sport um kind of to death and dying and Mm. it it might sound a bit extreme but as a as an athlete when you go through a significant injury, you literally go through the same grieving process as losing somebody that you love. Like you go through stages of grief and um, that's really how I work with my athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, in, so I've sort of stolen that work from death and dying and, that, and the mm-hmm. grieving process. And I really do, I use it with injuries. And you know, the first stage is denial, right? Mm-hmm. You see an athlete like, they're initially injured and um, they don't want to believe that it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, right. no, it's going to be okay. That's, that's the first thing that I see, right? Like, it's okay. It's really not that bad. It's not as bad as you think. 
Um, so there's that denial. I don't want to accept that it's happening. Right. Um, and then obviously, you know, the reality comes in mm -hmm. and then there is a bargaining stage. Mm. Like if I do this, then I can get back. It's going to be okay. Right. If I just do this or if I follow my rehab routine, like it's not going to be this long. And they kind of bargain with their doctors too. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I can get back faster. You're telling me this many weeks or I need surgery or no, if I strengthen this, I don't need my surgery. Right, so right. there's a lot of this bargaining that goes on at that stage. And then you move from that into the next stage, which is really um, anger, right? Mm -hmm. When they, their reality sinks in and they're very angry. And as you move through the anger stage, you move into an anxiety and depression stage, right? Like, oh my God, like what's happening? Your entire life, but, yeah. Yeah, my entire life. And then as you work through that stage, you move to acceptance. So I really do, um, I think first and foremost is educating athletes to understand that what they're feeling is real and it's normal because it's so confusing for them, right? It's this whirlwind of emotions. So I think just to validate what they're feeling and helping them understand that. And that's why I use the stages of grief. Like it's a huge loss for an athlete to not know what's going to happen and not even just not to be part of their team anymore and to yeah. you know, be on the ice or on the field or doing what they do. It's like, they're so lost. So um, I think there's a, just a lot of educating them and helping them understand mm -hmm. what the process looks like, why they're feeling what they're feeling, and then really validate that it's really normal. Um, and giving them a safe space to experience it. So mm -hmm. those are really key things. And then, you know, working through those stages and allowing them, I think, um, from that point is to take control of what you can mm -hmm. and let go of what you can't, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it, it is hard, but we don't know what the future is going to look like. All we have is today. And so what can you do today? Um, we gather the information that we need. What are the doctors saying? What's the rehab plan, right? They have full control over their effort in terms of how they rehab and you know what they do on a day-to-day -day basis so it's really about you know giving your best effort to what you have today and then I'll just say finally is I really really work to keep them involved with the team um, and just to feel a part of it even if they can't perform the way that they would or they're not in competition mode but just to be around the guys and to be involved with the team it keeps them social, it keeps them engaged, it keeps them part of something. So that's really, really key, um, a key piece as well to do. And then finally, I like to set new goals with them. Like, um, you know, what are things they can work on that they might not have because they have extra time on their hands. And right. that's actually something I've done a lot of with my athletes over coronavirus is like, let's set new goals. Like mm -hmm. we have an opportunity here because we have more time on our hands. So um, whether it's training in the gym, you know, if you have a leg injury, then maybe we're training upper body or vice versa, or, you know, whatever it is, is just find other ways to train so that you feel like you're progressing because progress is a powerful motivator, right? It's so important to feel like they're, they're making some progress. So, um, we actually monitor progress. That's something that I do. So I help them see little wins, like maybe they're not back to playing yet, but right. we highlight the, the small wins and the gains that they're making because those can often get easily missed. Right. So I help them see it so that they feel like they're moving in the right direction. Uh, we might set new goals like working on the mental game, right? That's right, right. so key. And there's such an opportunity there where maybe they wouldn't have done that before. So, um, that's, that's really how I, a nutshell overview of how I address 
uh, sure. interviewing work with my athletes. It's, it's very, it's very cool for sure. I, I definitely, I, you know, I can tell you uh, as somebody who's interested in sports, it's very interesting the work that uh, the work that you've been doing for sure. Um, Thank you. Speaking of, speaking of setting goals, what uh, you know, with everything that's going on. Uh, with everything that you're already doing, what are your personal goals uh, for for kind of like the remainder of uh, this quite hectic year? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, one goal I always have for me is um, I just, I love to learn every single day. So just as a, as a big global goal is I'm always still looking to get better mm-hmm. um, every day. It doesn't matter really where I am. I, I look for opportunities in every day to grow. Um, and, you know, some of my goals to be a bit more specific with you is to try and scale myself a little bit because like you say I'm, I am spread out all over the place right. and um, you know I don't know how long I can keep it up for so I am looking for ways and opportunities to to just kind of grow as a personal brand and um, and build a lot more online programs and so that's something that I've started to work on through coronavirus and I hope in uh, the fall and in the com- coming year um, I'm going to be launching some online courses and they will be geared towards the athlete, uh, of course, one for coaches and one for parents as well. And really, it's all about empowering potential. Um, but I'm trying to, you know, I, I've gone through so much and it's taken me so many years and literally like blood, sweat and tears to, to right. get here. Um, and so I want to be able to, to kind of spread that message and impact more people because that, like I said, is something that I love to do. So if I could take the knowledge that I have and the program that I built through a lot of trial and error and kind of create a blueprint for people to follow in their own lives um, and, and put it online and, and be able to have these courses available um, is something that, that I'm working on. So that would be great. it works both ways. It works. It will help impact more people. Um, mm-hmm. And also hopefully, um, you know, I will be able to get to more people without always having to have that one-on-one for sure as well. So that's what I'm working on. That's great. No, the the online courses is definitely. I think that we're going to definitely see a huge shift mm-hmm. in uh, in things yeah. being remote for sure, yeah. especially after uh, after seeing how so many people can work from home. Yeah, it's going to be tough to get everybody back in the office for sure. Yeah, so for sure. That's for sure. Uh, that's fantastic. I do have two more questions for you, if that's uh, if that's all right. I did want to really touch really quickly on um, on the parents uh, of athletes. Yeah. Something you had just said. Um, I mean, there's so many different uh, aspects of being a, a sports parent. Um, but when it comes to the mental side of the game, you know, what kind of stuff are you working with with parents for their athletes, um, for, you know, for their kids to, to really be able to excel in a way that's healthy for the kid and not, yeah. uh, and not necessarily being forced to excel or anything like that? Yeah, and such a good point. Um, you know, it's such a big area as a parent because – I know all parents and listen, I'm, I'm one as well. I've been a sports parent too. So not just from a professional uh, perspective, but I've been there personally as well. And, you know, you want so badly for your child to succeed. Um, and so I, I say that the, the parent equation, it's kind of the recipe for a perfect storm. Mm. Um, you know, even if you just look, Kyle, at the nature of being a sports fan, right? Like there right. is a lot of intensity and enthusiasm and this connection <laughs> to a team that, you know, people don't even know. Like there's yeah. really no personal connection and it doesn't truly have any impact on your real day-to-day life. Right. Uh, so now as a parent, obviously you're an instant fan of your mm-hmm. child. Of course. Uh, but there's a whole lot of emotion and there's an investment that does count. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, 
I think just all of that put together and the emotion that's associated with it is, is the parents need to recognize that every single parent is at risk mm. of losing control and perspective. Everybody, I don't care right. who you are or what walk of life you come from. Mm. And it's not that you obviously are trying to do anything to, to be hurtful, mm. uh, but there's just so much emotion there. And so I think parents need to educate themselves as well. Mm. And, um, you know, something that I've created is like 10 sports parents. Like I, I try and help parents identify what is your sport parenting type? Right. Like, you know, are you the um, covert agent? Like, are you okay, behind yeah. the scenes in everybody's ear? You know, are you the coach parent? Like, are you the one coaching your kid behind the scenes? Are you this relentless parent that's like just on your kid? Um, are you the anxious parent? Like just so nervous about what your child's going to do. So I think parents need to take a good hard look in the mirror and just identify um, what they bring to the table, what messages do their behaviors give. And if they can't identify it, I guarantee you their kids can identify it for them. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it's really about self-awareness, um, recognizing that everybody's at risk. And, and, you know, I know every parent wants to do the best. So really just educating yourself, like taking a course, like one that I'm going to put out for parents about empowering potential and understanding what it is that they need. and um, I'm going to say one of the biggest things, you know, if I can give a tip right now to parents out there is praise effort, not results, mm. because we want to teach our kids to work hard and to have something to control. Like they, they will never control the outcome of a game or, you know, how you're going to do on any given day. But, and, and we don't do that, right? We're like, oh, you played so good, so well today. You guys won. That was such a good game. We, we are always praising the results which creates anxiety and um, fear of failure. And that's what we're afraid of making mistakes because, you know, obviously that's not good. So the one thing we have full control over is our effort level. And if we continue to give our best effort and focus on doing the right things, then the results will take care of themselves. So that's, that's something um, that I think is a big piece for parents. So do your own check-in, number one, self-reflect. Um, check in on your game day behavior too, right? Like, Right. You know, where am I right now? And, um, and self-evaluate after, like, you know, what did I put out there? And I'll give one more cool thing. This is something that I challenge parents to do all the time. Um, often as a parent, you have to bring your kid to the rink or the field before a game, like an hour before, say, or however much time right. before. And there's often other games going on before that. I challenge parents, certainly in the hockey arena, go sit in the rink while you're waiting for your kid's game and sit in on another game that you have no emotional connection to mm. and actually listen to the parents in the stands because you will hear some crazy things. Yeah. And when you're not emotionally involved, when it's not your kid out there, it sounds crazy. Like I actually did this like for myself when my kids were younger, <clears throat> because sometimes, you know, I would want to, ca I catch myself saying to the ref, like, what, what's wrong with you? Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a terrible <laughs> call. Right. But when I sat and I listened to parents, you listen to other people and you hear what it sounds like when you're not emotionally invested in it, it's, it takes on a whole new life. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, wow, do I sound like that? Like, is that right. what I'm putting out there? So it's a really good way just to do a little, you know, mental game check-in um, and also educate yourself and learn how to best support your kids. It's mm -hmm. important. 
That's fantastic. It, it is for sure. I mean, I, I can't, you know, growing up playing sports, I, I can't tell you the amount of times that, you know, sports in a small town when realistically the, the big life impact is, is pretty minimal. Um, but uh, some it's of the stuff so. you're exposed to and, and that you'd see or that you'd see other kids going through and you're like, oh my gosh, like, thankfully I had two, uh, two pretty great sports parents. Uh, so they were, they were always very supportive and uh, they yeah. definitely did praise the effort. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is big. So I'm, I'm definitely glad that uh, that's something that you're working with along with the athletes, the parents as well. That's, that's yeah. great. And I, and I think with that too, is it's important for me with the courses, but as I want to really start building community. So where we uh, bring like-minded people together and, you know, we'll have um, like a Facebook group and people can come on and um, I will be available as well for questions and answers and to kind of support, but also to create a life where we're all supporting one another because it is hard, right? It is, it's emotional and it's hard and uh, we all just want to do our best job. For sure. Uh, Brendley, I, I really appreciate it. This has been absolutely fantastic. I've got one more question for you. Okay, shoot. Um, and so at the end of every episode, I always like to ask my guests to give a challenge to uh, my listeners, um, something that they can do over the next week or the next month or over the rest of their lives, something that they can implement into their lives to kind of help them live more fulfilled or happier or more mentally um, mm. strong lives. Uh, yeah. So if you were to give out a, a challenge, what, uh, what's something that, that you think that would be? Okay, well, it's, it'll be my second challenge because I just challenged all the parents right true, now true. <laughs> to, to listen to the other parents. But, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back. We've talked about a lot of great things today. It was really uh, fun talking with you. Um, and I'll probably circle back to what we touched on, which is find your passion and your happiness, like what lights you up. And I challenge people to just pull out a pen and paper and just start to brainstorm you know, what are the things that, that they do? What do they love? And just literally start um, writing those things down and figuring out where their passions are. Um, and then, you know, starting to, to just honor that and think about like, how can I do more of that? I mean, is that something that I can do in my life? Can I incorporate it into my career? Or maybe do I just need to spend more time doing it? So, you know, brainstorm, Put it down to paper for me it's just a hugely powerful tool to get it out of your head and onto a piece of paper um, and then you can see it and now you can start to work with it and so just spend more time doing what you love finding what makes you happy and um, just yeah keep 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 going with that and pursuing that and um, um, i think you know there's a mistake that we make which is people think that when they're successful they'll be happy mm. Oh, and I think we've got it all wrong. So I want to flip that statement and say, um, when you're happy, you will find your success. So chase your happiness is, is my challenge. I love that. That's such, that's such a nice challenge. It, it's something that I think we need more of. So I'm definitely I'm definitely glad you put it out there. Uh, Brenly, I th thank you so much. This has really been really fantastic. Awesome, Kyle. Thanks. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Wow. Right? Yeah. Honestly, man, I, I should, that's... Dude, I was I was trying to tell you. Yeah, she does, honestly, a little bit of everything. It's, it's pretty incredible, yeah, really. Yeah, the wearer of many hats, for sure. Yeah, why is she on the podcast? I don't okay. understand why she would stick right. this low. I thought you were going to say something nice. No. No. What? Uh, on that note, though, on that note, 
I want to give a massive shout out to Brenly for being on the podcast today, for taking the time uh, to talk with me. Just to stoop to our level. So many incredible points, so many different things to touch on, but something that I really want to emphasize as we go into the end of this episode, as you guys go into your weekend, is really understanding that fear seems so insurmountable. It seems like this giant thing, but it's so normal and it's so natural. And we are all capable of overcoming it. We have the means, we have the formula. Brenly gave us the formula. The only thing that's promised really is this present moment. You know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if you're going to do a backflip and knee yourself in the nose and, and whatever, you know, that aside. That was embarrassing. We don't way. know what's going to happen in the future. You know, all that we know is right now. And taking advantage of this present moment to do something that, that fills you with joy, that fills you with passion is just so important. One of my favorite quotes all time from the podcast, all time, honestly. And, and I, and I was so, you know, it was so funny when she said it, don't waste a good crisis. You know, we are living in, in these unprecedented times and some, you know, and, and it's scary, but it is an opportunity to take advantage of. And I think that that's just such a good, you know, when we're dealing with mental health issues, we're always going through a crisis, but don't waste a good crisis. Figure out what you can make of these trying times. It'll turn you into a, a more resolute version of yourself, a more absolute version of yourself. And I think that that's incredible. So take that into consideration. And uh, geez, man, you should uh, really get over that fear of talking to girls finally. Yeah, you should have the nice. fear of losing a job here soon. Jeez, I lose my job. You lose some viewers. That's what you should be afraid of. Yeah, he's got something to say. It's in the contract, Guys, buddy. Massive shout out to all of you for listening to the podcast this week. Uh, make sure to go follow Brenly across all social medias at Brenly Shapiro. Uh, make sure to check her out. She is doing some absolutely incredible work. And uh, again, I just really want to thank her for coming on. And uh, as we go into this beautiful weekend, I've got the sun shining on my back right now. I'm going to Halifax this weekend. I'm nice and excited. Can't help but think that life's a wreck. I got there first. See you guys next week. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.